Anglican Ministry TechCast. Well, that is right. You are here at the Music and Ministry TechCast, a place for people to be techie and technical and just deal with all of the things that are involved in leading people to worship. Well, today we're going to play a little game of Did You Know, or as they abbreviate, a DYK. And so I just have five things here of things that we often tell people, and a lot of people seem to be shocked. And so if you do know these, then you can, you know, have a little gold star for the day. But I think at least one of these will probably help you as you are pursuing excellence in ministry. And the first one up today is about gain. And first of all, just knowing that gain is how much sound you collect. And a lot of people have kind of a misunderstood view of how that actually works. But you have to think about gain being how much of the sound you're collecting. And then everywhere else is how much you're pushing. But that's not the did you know, and maybe that's a free one. If you didn't know that, it's important to know. What I wanted to say is that if you are using any form of wireless gear, wireless microphone, wireless pack of any kind, what you need to know is that the gain control is actually somewhere on that pack or somewhere on the actual handheld microphone itself. And so I know on your soundboard, it may say gain, it may say trim, But when you turn that knob, it doesn't actually change how much sound you're collecting with your wireless gear because you guessed it, that control is actually on the unit itself. So break out that manual and find out where that is. Sometimes it's a switch. Sometimes it's a little tiny screwdriver adjustment. Sometimes if you have a digital one, it will give you through a menu and it'll be maybe trim, sensitivity, or gain. And then you can adjust from there. That's a big one because most people don't know that all right that was number one and kind of number one and two but we're just going to count it all as one you got a freebie in there the second one is impedance of a microphone now impedance is kind of a big word but if you impede somebody's progress that means that you're allowing them to get there but they're going there slower than they would and so impedance in microphones has a huge impact on how much is collected by your gain control. So microphones that have a lot of impedance don't collect as much, even though it has the same setting on your soundboard, whereas you get a microphone with low impedance and it's going to collect a lot. Sometimes so much that you can't control it, you can't get it down and it will just feedback. Now this is certainly the case on some of the cheaper microphones that you're gonna buy that you'll plug it in and it'll just seem like, whoa, there's a lot of sound being collected. You plug in another microphone, and uh, for sure that's the case on the Shure SM58s, or if you get, I think it's the P58s that are the cheaper ones, plug one of those in and you will see a huge difference. Now, that is good to know in general, but when it comes to specifically microphones for your pastor, for speaking microphones, There is a little thing that most of the major brands do that most people don't know about, which is they actually sell different kinds of impedance and they don't really let you know which one that you're buying unless you're paying attention. I only know this because we went to church after church after church and had different results. And I was like, what is going on here? This one is acting totally different. And then one church had two of the same brand, but they were different impedances and it was night and day, and that got me to looking, and then I discovered, hey, there's another little thing. And so Countryman is one of the most popular lapel microphones that you're gonna find out there, and you'll find that they have, for some models, five different levels of impedance, and some of them will only have three levels of impedance, 
but they label them loud talker, quiet talker, medium. And so their whole approach to, well, we want to find out how much signal we want to collect is going to be based on whether or not you talk loud or you talk quiet. So while that could be helpful, it's also a hindrance if you're ending up buying a low impedance microphone trying to fight feedback in your sanctuary where you can always turn that signal up later on the soundboard through compression, through just volume, through having bigger speakers, more speakers, lots of places to push, but there's only one place to collect. And so I usually tell people, go and check, find out, and it'll be like on the little label and you may actually have to look it up because it'll be on your model number and the last two or three digits, letters on the back there will tell you which one you have and you know, for myself, I'm always trying to get that gain bubble to be smaller, so that way I'm not collecting as much, so I can avoid that feedback, but it can be actually on your microphone. So did you know, you probably didn't, if you did, another gold star for the day, but go check that microphone and find out which one you have. You may want to get a different one if you're having troubles. All right, that was number two. Number three is that most digital soundboards have a thing called a de-esser. And what that allows you to do is take the S off of when people talk. And that's called sibilance, and I'm saying that with an S. But once I put my de-esser on, it's going to automatically listen for that sound. And when it hears it, it's gonna be within a millisecond compressing it to where it's gonna take it down into a normal range. Now this is exciting, because it allows you to EQ your microphone based on the other times when you're not saying S's and it makes it clearer. And then when you do say an S, it filters it out. And that's a huge deal. So go check your manual, go look at your digital soundboard, find that de-esser and you have to learn how to use it and how to insert it. We'll talk about that maybe another time, but it is a valuable tool that can really allow you to shape your sound to be much better. All right, another did you know, number four here, is that anything labeled digital is actually a computer. And that's a little mind-blowing for most people because we've been out here in the last little bit and been telling people, well, this is a computer that you bought. And they're like, this is a computer? Yes, so if you have a digital keyboard, you actually bought a little computer. That seems kind of weird, but yes, that's what it is. It's a computer that's only designed to make sounds for piano and to interpret the information that you're putting in via the keyboard. Now, this is a piano form keyboard, but that's what it does. It doesn't answer email, it won't do your taxes. All it does is make piano sounds. So that's something to think about in the sense of Maybe is there another way that we can use a computer and make sounds? Because a lot of people are kind of afraid of programs like Mainstage, programs like Ableton or GigPro or what all the other ones that are out there now is that it is essentially the same thing. One just looks like a computer because it is a computer and the other one is a computer as well. It just looks like a piano. Something to think about. The last one as we're wrapping up today is something I talked about in our podcast from this week which is the idea of a virtual sound check. And most digital soundboards allow you to do this very practical thing, which is to run the sound through the soundboard without your band being up there. And that allows you to go back and test things and try things out and see how it would work without having to be on the spot doing it when there's people in your sanctuary or that the band is up there trying to rehearse. So how that works is that digitally, it will go out from your soundboard 
into a computer where you will push record. It will record all of those tracks individually. And then when you're ready to run this virtual sound check, you can then run all of those signals back into your soundboard and be able to control it like you would just normally, like the band was actually up there. The signals come through your soundboard. It looks like your soundboard. It is your soundboard. And then you can push stop. You can push play. You can push repeat. You can try it again. You can have your band members listen to what it is that they're doing. And you're like, hey, do you guys like how that sounds? And most of them will be like, no. Like, well, maybe you should think about doing something different. Or you can get your pastor out there and work on your mixing and find out what they like, find out and just try stuff. So it's a great tool. A lot of people use it, certainly when they're going out to new venues in you know the professional world that travel a lot. It's a great way to actually practice your mixing. All right, well, that was five things of did you know? And hey, if you knew all of them, send us a note. Just be like, hey, I got all five right. If you, uh, you know, if you didn't or you have any questions about any of the things that I covered today or anything else related to technical stuff, please email us at musicandministryconference at gmail.com or you can visit our website at musicandministry.co. Well, until next week, be techie, be awesome, and God bless.